Welcome to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson, Mike Pursuta joining us as well here for the first hour. Uh, the Steelers veterans reporting today, getting on the field, and the big news today. Uh, of course, the big photos and video that the Steelers put out today, because the media were not still allowed not in the <laughs> sure, building sure. yet, uh, was Ben Roethlisberger throwing the football for the first nice. time since September 15th of last year when the Steelers played the uh, – Seattle Seahawks, and he pulled himself out at the end of the first half. Uh, so almost a year since Ben Roethlisberger had thrown a football at Heinz Field, and uh, there he was on the field today throwing. Yeah, I mean, it's huge news. I mean, we knew this day was coming, but it's monumental nonetheless. I mean, you and I got together today from 1-3 to three and just kind of felt like this was the beginning of the season. You know I mean? Like, we're going to be coming at you daily now. I mean, it's not – you know, all these rumors and whatnot, it's actual football taking place, new news every day, so that's great. Mike, you uh, you feeling a little better after having uh, seen uh, Ben throw at the stadium? Not in person, of I'm course, just, but did you see the video? <laughs> I'm just feeling better that Williamson's still here. I, I was on Twitter the last couple Can't days. He's a rock star. He's taking off like a jet. Oh, there he is. He's <laughs> Sorry, we missed that first that, part. Well, I was, was going to I'm, now I'm getting a complete feedback in my ear if uh, I can tell Wes to work on that. What I was saying was I'm just happy that Matt Williamson is still with us doing these programs. I was on Twitter the last couple of days, and it looked like he was the rock star. His career's taken off like a jet. I'm glad he's still hanging out with the little people, Dale. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, people were texting and tweeting at me. Hey, you guys still doing the drive every day? Yeah, we're still doing Please the drive. Please don't tell me day. that the drive stopped. Yeah. You have to understand here, Mike. Matt and I see each other as much as we see our wives. It's only getting worse. Well, that's too. not good. Yeah, no, and right. now it's now we're up to four hours a day. If we'd actually been at training camp, which is where we should have been two weeks ago, we you think about this. Had had everything going gone as normal this year, we would probably be at Sharky's right now doing this show or some, one of the other establishments. And, oh, by the way, would have been there for two weeks getting ready for the first game, the, the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. We definitely would have been at Sharky's. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sure of one thing. At one, at one point or the other during the night, that would have uh, that's where we would have wound up at. Uh, but certainly uh, uh, seeing Ben Roethlisberger on the football field today uh, throwing a ball at Heinz Field, um, sir, it had to give Steelers Nation uh, at least some some relief. Like, oh, okay, we're, now we're getting back to some kind of normalcy. It's something that Randy Feekner talked about last week when we talked with him, Mike, that the return to normalcy is seeing Ben Roethlisberger under center. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree with Randy Feekner more uh, about that. I mean, it, maybe it's the only thing that's normal. And uh, <laughs> as, as, as Randy alluded, you know, he said in seeing – Roethlisberger with Pouncey and DeCastro and Villanueva and, you know, some of the recognizable guys up front. Uh, that, I think, as we proceed here, assuming this thing stays afloat, is going to be a real advantage for the Steelers. Uh, continuity has got to be a huge deal this year. Even though Roethlisberger didn't play uh, except for a game and a half last year, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, he's going to reassume uh, the position the way he has played it when he's played it well. And I think that's going to be a big edge for the Steelers, a continuity on the coaching staff, continuity at the quarterback position and the offensive line. And just think about it. I mean, how many times has somebody gotten hurt the previous year? And we, I mean, as fans, you just assume, well, he'll be fine for camp. But then there's that first week. Well, eh, he's not quite ready. Or we're bringing him along slowly. Or, 
Andrew Luck's throwing a tennis ball or a Nerf ball or something goofy. You know, like, at least it's full go. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Steelers, uh, when, when he went back in, what was that, February to his doctor in Los Angeles, uh, I mean, their expectation was that he was going to be throwing a tennis ball or a Nerf football or something like that. And even they were surprised to see him throwing an actual football. Now, he was just tossing it. Yeah, right, right. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen, uh, as camps open today, uh, a lot of guys going on the pup list. Mm -hmm. Ben Roethlisberger could have started this thing on the pup list, and I don't think anybody would have blinked an eye. No, uh, that's the fact how most, that he's, yeah, you know, most camps open, right? Yeah, the fact that he's throwing a football certainly is a good sign. Now, what I saw, was, was there actual video footage of a – and you could see the ball the entire way? Because all I saw, yeah. all I saw was a thing on Twitter where he was rolling out in slow motion. I've seen the ball leave his hand. I've never seen where it landed yet. But again, I'm not real. <laughs> I'm not real worried uh, about him. I, I, he's he's believe it or not down on my list of concerns. Yeah, I'm with you there, Mike. And if I think if you watched that video all the way through, they released the Steelers released about a it was a, I think a 45 or so second video, uh, and some of it was some other guys doing some stuff. But they did show some guys catching passes. On the other end of that, I'm assuming those were, since it was all part of the Roethlisberger collage, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that yeah. those were passes that were being thrown by Ben Roethlisberger. But again, nah, but we don't know for sure. We don't do know we? for sure. Be, yeah, I mean, you know, no eyewitnesses. Yeah. You know, if somebody's out there with a Zapruder film of, of uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it has everything that they can piece together, um, and, and that's the thing. I, you know, I was kind of watching when you watch the videos that um, he put out himself, uh, his Twitter account, whatever, you know. You didn't get to see necessarily the the full pass. All you saw was the pass leave his hand, and then here's right. somebody catching a football. We never knew if it was actually him throwing the ball to those people. and that We just had to take their word for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this situation, I have to assume, and we'll find out ourselves in a couple weeks one way or the other, uh, that if the Steelers put it out, it was because – Roethlisberger was actually throwing the football with Steelers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would assume so. And again, this is great news. Um, you know, Triv, you mentioned that you know your Ben being is low on your list of concerns. I have very little concerns about him starting the season. I, mean, I guess I'm more worried, not that I'm super worried, about him finishing the season and and in the endurance and the stamina throughout the year and all the stress you put on the the joint. Yeah, I, 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 maybe I'm uh, not uh, looking at it quite as seriously as I should, but uh, the track record is there. He's always gotten through it, mm -hmm. and uh, I assume uh, that uh, medically he checks out or he wouldn't be throwing the football. Uh, uh, my probably only concern related to him would be, and, and this was another point that Randy Feekner tried to drive home in, in his uh, Zoom session last week, is uh, they cannot afford uh, individually as players or collectively as an offense uh, or even the defense for that matter. They can't uh, just assume, okay, uh, the quarterback is back uh, all is well because it's going to take more than him just showing up for this team to be better than it was a year ago. Yeah, but that certainly helps a lot. I mean, just uh, from a – if you look at what they did last year offensively, uh, I think it was 18.8 points a game down from twenty, almost 27 points a game – the previous year. That's a significant a drop. Ridiculous drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, if he can get them to 24, 25 points a game, which is certainly, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's average. Not too much. Right. That's average right. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they're certainly a much better team this year. Yeah. Uh, theoretically, uh, it, it, it makes sense. It's a, it's a very plausible theory. Uh, still got to catch the ball on the other end. Still can't fumble it. 
uh, when you're trying to run out the clock, uh, little things like that uh, that we've seen uh, the Steelers succumb to. And, uh, you know, uh, guys I'm referencing here are, are Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, who uh, are going to be counted on to make plays no matter who's at quarterback, and they're going to have to make uh, – more plays at a more consistent rate than they did a year ago. I 100% agree with you, obviously, and neither one of those should be those players should be happy with how they played last year either, of course. But I also think that the skill guys around Ben are less top-heavy than it used to be. I mean, it used to be the killer bees, obviously. Now, I mean, having Ebron in the mix and McFarlane is a change of pace and – you know, a variety of receivers. I think that the depth in the skill position players is a strength now. Yeah, I, I do as well. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, you see with some of these other teams in the league uh, that, for for example, when, when Houston got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, um, there was a feeling, well, they'll, you know, they'll spread the ball around more. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll force Deshaun Watson to, to look elsewhere instead of just force-feeding everything to, to Hopkins 15 times a game. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you see that with the, 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 the Saints go out and get Emmanuel Sanders this year so they can have something other than just Michael Thomas all the time. Um, you know, so perhaps – I think that meets you harder to defend. I, I think it does as well. I mean, as opposed to a star. At the same time, you could know all day long that Roethlisberger was throwing the ball to 84 in the past. <laughs> right, you, had, you still had to stop yeah, right, it. Right. And the last time we saw that connection was down in New Orleans, and the Saints were double-teaming him with an all-pro cornerback, and they still couldn't stop it. Yeah, no, you're 100% right on that. I mean, there is something to be said for star power and having the best player on the field. But overall, I think this depth is intriguing and gives them a lot of possibilities of the five guys they can trot out there. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, uh, I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dale. Oh, I was just. Oh, going to. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to follow up on the <laughs> depth thing. Ebron, uh, Matt. I'm curious. We haven't talked in a while, and uh, you know, I've seen his good stuff over the years, and this is also going to be his third team in seven years. Um, does that uh, give you pause at all? A little. Um, I, my thoughts on Ebron are. First of all, he was put behind the eight ball the second he got drafted because he was picked ahead of Odell and Aaron Donald. And most people aren't going to use that high a pick on a tight end to begin with. And tight ends always take a while till they get their feet under him at the NFL level. So predictably, he disappointed. And predictably, he wasn't as good as Odell or Aaron Donald. And I do think that some of his numbers had been a little inflated with the time he played with Luck. I mean, like... What, he catch 12 or 14 touchdowns that one year? And that's not what he is. But what I think, what I like most about him in this situation is I'm a big believer in building a basketball team with your pass catchers. You know, if if Vance McDonald's the center, Ebron's my power forward, and Claypool's, you know, a little bit smaller, a little faster, and then you get down to Juju, to Deontay, you know, like they have a wide variety of guys they can throw out there. So their double tight end set with Connor and two receivers, if you get base defense, Ebron can split out for you. If you go three wide in Ebron and Connor, that's not really any different than going, you know, four receiver sets. And if you don't have dime against them, you're going to find a mismatch you like. And he's not much of a blocker, but he's a better blocker than the wide receivers. And he's a little bit of that position with football. I do think he's a good red zone player and knows how to use his body there. And he runs well. I mean, he can he can you know get up the middle of the field, which is intriguing. I don't think you need to count on him to do a lot, but you need him to to be one of the spokes in the wheel. 
So what you're telling me is Ebron is LeBron. If we're going to use that basketball thing. <laughs> good thing, good thing you're not here in the room with us. That's all, that's all i got to say. Because uh, I'd be throwing no, stuff at you that. after that one. Yeah, I prefer LeBron. I've heard that, I've heard that same theory from uh, Brian Billick and then subsequently from Daniel Jeremiah. I, I happen to agree with it. I, I think it's a great point that you have the you know various uh, differences in size and speed and, mm-hmm. and abilities. Um, yeah, hey, it could it could really work, and I'm I'm a big uh, two tight end guy, uh, so I'd I'd like to see them uh, have that uh, option available to them. Uh, maybe that even backs some people off and allows them to run the ball a little bit, Dale. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, they, I, they I, at I least get try. That they didn't have a they didn't have a quarterback uh, that was gonna you know uh, threaten anyone through the air, so defenses were probably playing the run. But uh, you and I also remember times uh, Cincinnati a few years ago when. The Bengals were uh, supposedly calling out the run plays that the Steelers were going to run ahead of time, and they still kept giving it yeah. to Le'Veon Bell, and, and they kept just couldn't munching them it. up. Yeah, couldn't I, stop I, it. I think that that offensive line needs to pick it up. The backs need to pick it up. I'm, I'm kind of stuck on that theme as we uh, get started here. Yeah, I hear you, and they, they need to run the ball and run the ball more effectively. They can't count on Ben Roethlisberger to go out there and throw the ball 700 times. Uh, in 2020 and expect that elbow to hold up. It, it's got to be more, you know, 550-ish, somewhere in that range at the, at the most. I mean, that's that's what the Saints are doing with Drew Brees. Uh, you know, they don't want him throwing the football uh, 700 times like he was earlier in his career. It's just, it's just not a recipe for success when you have a 40-year-old quarterback. You, you only know? have so many throws left in that body anyway yeah. you cut it. You, gotta, you can't use, use them, them all up. Yeah. judiciously. That's yeah. what they should be doing. And I'm going to use a break here judiciously. Oh, yeah. How about that? Uh, we're talking with uh, Mike Pursuta here on the uh, Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lally. He's Matt Williamson. We'll have Mike here with us until 7 o'clock when we come back. I want to talk about that defense that carried the team last year uh, to an 8-8 eight and eight record. Can it be something better? Keith Butler seems to think so. We'll talk about that next, right after this. Welcome back to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and Mike Prasuda. Uh, he will be joining us until 7, and then uh, Matt and I will be here until 8, uh, wrapping up uh, today's action uh, from Training Camp, even though we can't see any of it yet. Right. Uh, but that there is happen. action going on. There is stuff going on. And uh, one of the things that's going on, Mike, uh, we had an opportunity last week to talk to Keith Butler late in the week. I think it was like Friday afternoon around 5 o'clock. And I asked him specifically about that defense um, in regards to – because to your point with, that you talked about with the continuity um, in the previous segment, the Steelers' defense essentially brings 11 starters back. Um, because even if you, if, if you look at guys like Tyson Alualu stepping in for Javon Hargrave or Vince Williams stepping in uh, you know, for Mark Barron – those are guys that have played a lot of snaps for the Steelers and have started a lot of games for them. Yeah, I would agree, Dale. And I think, you know, the Vince Williams thing is interesting. They they were going out of their way last year to find guys to play his position instead of him. And then he ended up giving them, I thought, a real good year as a situational guy. He's very good against the run, and I think he rushes the passer well. And they even got to a point late in the year where they were kind of running out of D linemen so they were using him in the sub package as an actual rusher, you know, one of the down right. four, and he, and he did that very well. So what are we talking about here, really? If Devin Bush 
takes the step everybody anticipates and becomes the dime linebacker full-time instead of Barron. Your only concern with Vince Williams is, uh, you know, are you playing nickel on second down, and are they going to be able to isolate him and attack him throwing? But I don't think that's a huge issue. Uh, up front, uh, I thought uh, Hargrave was a really underrated player. I, I think that signing by Philadelphia, that's the kind of signing the Steelers used to make. You find a guy who's kind of under the radar, and he's going into his second contract and ready to ready to explode and play the best ball of his career, and you, you go grab him. But, Except they, but gave him 13, it, they gave him $13 million a year. They didn't do it on yeah, the cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they gave you, you got to it coming back. So, you yeah. know, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a deal breaker. And there's there's enough experience there. Big Dan will be back for his 15th year of playing, <laughs> uh, playing very infrequently, but he's real big. So uh, my problem isn't with the personnel. My question about that defense is this. Is it really as good as we thought for long stretches last year after getting run over by the Ravens' JVs in a game that still mattered? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a valid point, and maybe I brushed that off just thinking, "Foo, thank, thank God the season's over." My, <laughs> you know, like it was just painful enough at the end. I mean, honestly, I, I think that defense. If you asked them, if you gave them all truth serum, they had seen Devlin Hodges the previous two games. They had seen that he was not going to put points on the board, right. and I think they were just ready to, you know, hey, we're we're not we can't win here. We're not going to get go anywhere in the playoffs, even if we do. I, I just think that they kind of gave up the ghost a little bit in that game. There was definite. Uh, there were definitely some comments afterward. Joe Hayden and uh, one other guy, I can't remember who, but they alluded to exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Not that Devin nobody Hodges came out and out and said it, but right. that was the it undertone. Was, yeah. Well, it, it was inferred. Yeah. They had a shot to make the playoffs, but everybody knew Tennessee was going to win anyway. Uh, right. Because Houston it's wasn't tough to stay up for that. He, he, Houston was – it is tough to stay up for that. Although, like, there was a year in 1976 when a great defense was uh, winning games with Tony Dungy at quarterback, yeah. right? I mean, they – But they, 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 just, they when, did also when make everybody us got stay hurt. up for that. We had to go to, to Baltimore and watch yeah. that, but, you know. And the Baltimore but, I mean, it, was, JV offense is – wear you down. I mean, just their style of play, yeah. too. I mean, if you're a, a beat-up and beleaguered – well, I, I think, defense. too, in that and, you game – Buffalo, Buffalo ran on them a little bit. They, they, the, the run defense, I think, is not – Great. Agreed. The, the Agreed. sacks, the sacks part is great. The turnovers part is great. They got they got some splash all over the field, but they got to be better against the run, though. Well, I, I think that gets better though with the quarterback play, because if the other team fears that you're going to score every time that you get the ball, even if you don't, uh, you know, then then they you know aren't as uh, deliberate shall we say, with their offense. They're not willing to just go, oh, if we run the ball three times and don't get the first down, we're going to punt. Well, if you're, if you're facing number seven on the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, and you fear that he may, if you punt, all of a sudden you're down 14 nothing instead of, well, if we punt here, that's not a bad play because we don't think Devlin Hodges and company are going to score more than 10 points on us, uh, then you can stick with the run. If you think if you fear Ben Roethlisberger, you can't stick with the run necessarily, especially if that offense goes out and puts points on the board early in the game. And Mike, to take a step further, something Dale and I talk about a lot is, I thought the Steelers' defense, I guess Week 17 aside, worst moments were when they were playing over 30 minutes of football. You know, when the time of possession was very much in the other team's favor, especially early in the year. And there was also a situation that you never saw last year was. Fourth quarter, Steelers are up by 12. 
the towels are flying. Everyone in the stadium knows that TJ and Cam and company are going to pin their ears back, and they still led the league in sacks. No, these are all these are all valid points. I'm just kind of throwing it out there, and I guess one of the reasons why, um, when I look at that defense, I think it's got to be held to the highest possible standard. Is you know, you look around the AFC. I mean, Tennessee's not going to stop running the ball, right? Uh, B- Baltimore's right in your backyard, and they got uh, they have a very good varsity offense. Uh, we saw what the JVs did at the end of the season, and then that guy in Kansas City doesn't seem to be able to be stopped after he falls behind fourteen or seventeen to nothing. So, I mean, even the Browns are going to be really dedicated to the run this year. If you want to be a great defense, there are a lot of great offenses. Uh, in the AFC that uh, if you, if you're going to get to where you want to go, you better be as great as you think you can be. Cause that's what it's going to take even with Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this earlier in our show, Mike, and I wanted to get your opinion of this. Uh, Matt and I are of the opinion that the Steelers have the best defensive unit returning in the NFL. If you look at uh, top to bottom in the, in, in the league at uh, the starting 11, I would say it's it's maybe I would think I think it's a top five unit in the NFL in terms of okay if we're going to look at all offenses all defenses that kind of stuff I mean I I think that Kansas City's offense is a better unit I think the Baltimore's offense is probably a better unit um, maybe you could throw another one in there I'd have to think about who I would put in that grouping um, maybe the Saints. Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. But I, I think in terms of uh, defensive units, it's a top five unit in the league. Oh, I think so. Yeah, so at least in the conversation, right? So, yeah, I, I would I would buy that, sure. I, I like what you said earlier about Vince Williams. Um, and, and I do think, to your point of Bush being more comfortable, that if Vince is just an average space cover player, you can live with that, and he'll help against the run, which we know is not their strength as a defense. And the difference is you just can't, you can't have two of them out there. You can't have Bostic and Vince in the middle of the field just gets to be Because <laughs> they will find right, one of those right, guys. Right. I mean, I think yeah. you yeah. can get away with one average foot speed due to the group considering who's around them. And, again, I'd like to see them continue to use him as a, as a pass rusher also. Yeah. Uh, you know, keep those guys fresh up front. And, if uh, you know, if you want to take him out of inside linebacker for the dime, put him up. Let him go get the guy. Uh, he's he's got a knack for it, and uh, he is a smart player. And uh, hey, after last year, he should be well rested, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the the safety signing. I think it was Curtis Riley. Yeah. Um, that they signed. Interesting it, guy. Yeah, he's a, and the fact that he's a free safety uh, to me is interesting in that now it allows them to perhaps walk Minka down. Uh, play a, a three-safety defense and put Minka down in the box as well, and maybe then he is that extra cover guy. Yeah, or if nothing else, Dale, just some veteran backup, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they didn't have yeah. they didn't have another free minimal. safety on their roster. I mean, guys they, played in the guys played in the league. He's had some success in the league. Uh, bounced around a little bit, but sometimes the, the right fit it takes a while to find. I, I, that one was interesting to me. It wasn't just uh, the latest guy from the XFL because you need bodies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and they, that was something we talked about all offseason as a need. I mean, they needed to have another veteran guy at safety because, A, their, their starters are still very young there, and, B, they just didn't have any depth, really, especially at the free safety position behind Fitzpatrick because all those guys that they have on the roster are strong safety types. Yeah, I kind of, I, I was, uh, if this was a typical,
typical training camp, he'd uh, he'd be on my radar right now. I guess it's going to take till another week or so until yeah, they allow we'll us get to in see there. Him. But, yeah. Uh, but, uh, are yeah. there any other spots here, Mike, that you you think they really still need to address? I know people bring up inside linebacker. I think you know they want to take a look at Ulysses Gilbert and see what he looks like on the field. Outside linebacker, they drafted Highsmith in the third round. You would think that they have some plans for him. But are there any other spots in that defense where you look at and say, uh, maybe they could use another veteran guy there? I'd, I'd like somebody at outside linebacker that can actually play outside linebacker. I look at Highsmith as a pass rush guy. Uh, this is just going to be a situational uh, give T.J. Watt and give Bud Dupree a blow when they need it and maybe give him 10, 12, 15 pass rush snaps a game. I'd hate to see him line up out there. Uh, you know, if something should happen to one of those two starters and you you have to put somebody out there on first and ten you think and hold he gets that edge. You at the line of scrimmage at least early in his career. I do. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't have any faith in anybody to actually play that position. But mm. I think he's going to rush the pen. This is – it's interesting you went there, Dale, because uh, there was a lot of talk, you know, as soon as the OTAs went away and uh, Mike Tomlin uh, talked about this a little bit, about how tough it's going to be for rookies – and uh, various people have sounded off on it. But the more I think about it, I think they can teach Chase Claypool to run down the sideline really fast and be tall. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. physical. Sammy Coates, you know. I think they can teach Highsmith to come off the edge and rush the passer. I think they can teach McFarland to maybe catch a, catch a toss and hit a seam with speed. Not that you have to get these guys ready to play, but you can get them ready to make the plays they can make. And Randy Figner alluded uh, to that a little bit. Even Mike Tomlin said that the rookies aren't going to be as finished a product as they normally are. Okay, the heck with that. They don't have to be finished products. But figure out what they do, and they'll do that voodoo yeah. that they do <laughs> so well. That's yeah, a really I mean, good point. We haven't talked about yeah, that much, Dale. Because I mean, you can use yeah. those guys. If it's only five to ten snaps a game – that's have them fine. Do what they do well, right? Yeah, that's fine. They did that last year with Kareth White. Kareth mm-hmm. White would get five or you know five or six snaps a game, and they would hand them the ball in a sweep, and he would still be effective right. doing so. You don't want to get predictable, right. but but at the your same time, receiver, you're your not third guy, you yeah, know, right. you're not counting on these guys to go out there and play fifty snaps. Mm-mm. Even if even in if something happened right now, um, you know that that's not this that's not the situation that they're in. Other teams are in that situation. You know the the the, the Browns are counting on, you know, a sa- rookie safety to to start left for tackle. them, yeah, a left right, tackle yeah, right, to right. start for them. Uh, the Ravens are looking, you know, at those inside linebackers to potentially start for them. Sure. The, the 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 Bengals, Bengals a the Bengals have a quarterback on with fourteen right. practices get, to get ready for a season, and the Steelers aren't in that boat. They don't have to have these guys come out there and play a lot of significant snaps. And the more I think about it, the more I think, boy, Kevin Colbert knows what he's doing. You know, like. These guys were a little older than they usually take. A little more experienced. They're a little more specialized yeah. at this early stage of their career. We're not going to ask them to play 60 snaps. You know, come in and do what you do well, like you guys both said, for here and there. And, you know, and you can help us this year as you learn. Like, Claypool, to me, isn't much different than Evan Ingram. But as a rookie, go be Sammy Coach and run fast outside the numbers. We'll, we'll get the other stuff two years down the road. Yeah, you know teams I mean? are going to respect your size and speed down yeah. down, down the field. They have to. Yep. You would think. Or, or teach them two plays. Teach them the go route and then run, run them on a slant right, out of the right. slot. Sneak. Yeah, but that, that's not that hard to grasp, right? I no. mean, you know, look you look at the quarterback, go that way and catch it when he throws it to you, and then run the guy over who's trying to tackle you because you're bigger, stronger, and faster than he is. I, I think they can get complimentary contributions from the draft, even in this goofball time we're in. It, it, you know, we say really that, a... and it still took Martavis Bryant 10 games to get on the field. Well, 
doing just that. <laughs> you go long. Like, he couldn't get that. Didn't get that. Right. <laughs> was he a Notre Dame guy, Dale? <laughs> I don't believe that he was, Mike. <laughs> well, I know, in, in all seriousness, I, I've always found – the Notre Dame guys are sharper than your average bear. I'm with you on that, and you say that as a Michigan State guy. So I do. I say that with respect. And hey, that doesn't mean if if you're slow and small, that doesn't help you much. But if you have the physical, if you have the measurables, then being sharp, I think, can accelerate you. And I just I've I've found those guys to be a different kind of breed. They're they're uh, they're sharp guys. Uh, you know, you can't paint with a broad brush, as Coach Tomlin likes to say, but you can paint with a relatively thick one. I also think this year across the league that being cower-esque, simplified, we do what we do, but you rep it like crazy in practice is going to be more successful than we're going to throw a bazillion different personnel groupings and schemes at you because you still don't have the practice time. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I mean, I'm, this is kind of off point, but I'm watching the, uh, the Capitals-Lightning game uh, while we're doing this show because it's August and playoff hockey's going on. And and Tom Wilson just cheap shotted a guy and then tried to punch him. I mean, he's doing what he do does. Do what you right? do. What you do, right. Yeah, rep, out of your rep the heck out of that. I mean, it's... <laughs> That's what he's been doing in the bubble. Well, what, we're doing what we normally would do at, at around 6 o'clock in August. Oh, good cross check. You like that? Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, right in the face. <laughs> right in the beak. Um <laughs> We're doing what we do here. We're, we're talking Steelers football. It's early August. Uh, we're not doing it where we typically do it, uh, which is, of course, throwing our game off just a little bit. But uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back to do it once again. Uh, he is Mike <laughs> Pursuta, uh, Matt Williamson, and I'm Dale Lally. You're listening uh, to the uh, Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Lots of good stuff to get to. We'll get to it right after this. Beastie Boys coming back in there with us. I got uh, Matt Williamson here to my right. I got Mike Pursuta on the line here as well. We're talking Steeler football here on the training camp report. And, uh, Mike, today we had our first opportunity to talk to Ike Hilliard. And um, I thought that he had some interesting stuff to say. And, you know, the, the thing that I thought was most interesting with him is, you know, they kept Darius Hayward Bay on the roster for a long time uh, because he was a – had been a high first-round draft pick and was a, B, a high-character guy who stuck mm-hmm. around the league for a long time and kind of saw his role change from being a high draft pick to being a guy who played special teams role and excelled player. at that. Yeah, right. That's kind of who they got as a, as a coach now, as, as a wide receivers coach. And Ike Hilliard, a guy who was the seventh overall pick in the 1997 draft, who hung around for 12 years even though he was never a quote-unquote star, but always filled a role on the teams that he was on. Yeah, and, it, you know, he ended up, uh, you and mentioned 12 Mike years. He was, he was a 500-plus uh, catch guy and uh, scored about 35 TDs. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm down here. Hang on. You're down? No, we can hear you now. We hear you now. We couldn't oh, hear you, you got before. Me? Yeah, we, could, we, we missed the first part of that, but we caught the second. I was going to say, he did, he did hang around. He, he is a 500-catch guy uh, and scored some touchdowns in the NFL. But what really uh, intrigued me, was listening to him talk about all the guys he'd been around when he starts dropping names like uh, 
playing for the Giants when Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator and and hanging around the Grudens. And uh, even Richard Mann, he threw that out there, the old Steelers wide receivers coach from Aliquippa who worked for a bunch of teams. for He was in the league forever, or so it seemed. But uh, he, he was a guy who, who acknowledged to us, Dale, that he knew halfway through his career he wanted to be a coach. So he was soaking up everything he could. And he, uh, that stuff he was uh, giving us about teaching his guys the nuances of, uh, you know, timing and spacing are so important to the overall play and uh, being ready for your role to change as a game evolves and, and things happen. Uh, th- these guys, I hope they're paying attention because uh, they're going to get a mouthful for Mike Killian. Not not a mouthful like, you know, shape up and uh, hardcore stuff, but just knowledge, 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 uh, coaching tips, nuances of the game. Uh, subtleties of the game that I think in, uh, everybody can benefit from. You know, he went that whole time, too, without without ever mentioning the old ball coach. He also played for him in college, yeah. and, and he played on when he was in Tampa. Uh, the I def- noticed that. The, I was wondering about that. <laughs> the defensive backs coach when he – the defensive backs yeah. coach when he was in Tampa was one Mike Tomlin as well. So, I mean, oh, he's yeah. he's been around a lot of these guys and, and seen a lot of stuff. I, I can't wait to be able to pick his brain about some Spurrier for some Spurrier stories, but that's <laughs> that might just be me. I mean, I just I, – I like listening to these guys who have played for, uh, you know, the, the guys who, you know, who are kind of legendary for the crazy stuff that they do, the, you know. And to your point, too, I mean – Yes, if you're a top half of the first round guy, you get more breaks than a six rounder to keep your your career going. But reinventing yourself and not just falling into stardom, it's hard to stay in the league that long, you know, and churn out you know year after year of productive seasons and making it impossible for teams to cut you. I mean, and you learn a lot along the way. Yeah, I agree, and and so I think I, I honestly think I mean they they had that with Jericho Cotchery at one time. Uh, they did it again with with Darius Hayward Bay. They didn't have that guy last year after letting Hayward Bay go. It was supposed to be Dante Moncrief to a to a certain degree. Certainly that didn't right. work out. It is um, a young room. It's a young receivers room. Uh, so they brought in a sage veteran. Uh, you bring in a, a veteran quote wide receiver, a guy who's played wide receiver. He's got as much wide receiver experience in the NFL as their roster all does together, yeah. all together. Right. He has more catches than all of them together. But he's also a young coach to talk to young players, right. too. Yeah, you and know? so I, I think, think he'll get mix. it. You know, he'll be able to reach them in that respect. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, that got my attention as well. Somebody asked him about the, who's going to be the leader of the wideouts because, you know, Hines isn't here anymore. So there's, there hasn't, <laughs> Somebody there has hasn't to be been the a leader, leader of the wideouts. But, and, he, and he basically said, well, that's going to be me. I mean, I'm the guy that's going to be delivering them the message as it comes down uh, from the head coach and the offensive coordinator. But I'm going to be the guy in the receiver's room setting the tone. And then the rest of that stuff will work itself out. And he also uh, was emphasizing that uh, he is making zero allowances for not having OTAs and not having rookie minicamp and all the, all the COVID-19 influences. Uh, you know, we've heard Randy Figner talk about that. We even heard Mike Tomlin talk about it. Uh, hey, it's a little different. Rookies aren't going to be this or that as they might otherwise be. But uh, Ike Killer doesn't want to hear it. He wants those guys getting ready, and he wants them to be able to be counted upon and trusted uh, when, when their number is called. And, uh, you know, based on uh, everything that happened at that position last year, uh, seems like it's uh, really stabilized all of a sudden and and uh, brought uh, with stabilization kind of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I agree, and I don't know that he has the luxury uh, of 
not having some of these guys develop because he does have such a, a young room. When Juju Smith-Schuster's, you know, your veteran guy, sure, and he's 23 years old, um, you know, he's still learning the game. He's still learning the nuances. He's learning to be a number one receiver in this league, and that didn't work out so well last year. No, and it's a, yeah. the least cap space in the league in terms of wide receivers. They they have the least dedicated to wide receivers of all 32 teams. So they're counting on second-day pick after second-day pick after second-day pick. Yeah, which they got three second-round picks in that room. And a third. And, a, and an early right, third. Right, I early mean, that's third, what right. they're counting on, and those guys got to produce. Yep. They have to. Yep. Um, How do we feel about Juju? You know, I, I think he will be better with Roethlisberger under center. I think I don't think there's any doubt about that. I thought there were a lot of times last year where, yes, he's covered – but he's not really covered, covered, NFL covered. He's got a guy on him. Ben would have let that one yeah. go. Yeah. He's never going to be a guy that gets great separation mm-hmm. or is going to get you know college wide open because that's just not who he is. He's a guy who's going to win at the point of attack, and you have to throw him the football in those one-on-one situations. And I just didn't think that they did that nearly enough last year. I also think a big key, Mike, is the Claypool pick tells me some things about that receiver room in that – you know, Dale brought up Hayward Bay. Well, without Claypool, they don't have a core special teamer in that room. And his ability on special teams at Notre Dame was well-documented, and that gets him a hat early on. That gives him a special teams coach a guy. But the other thing is, yeah, he's big and fast, but I think the key when it, when it relates to Juju is, like we talked about earlier, if Claypool just lines up outside the numbers and goes deep, well, that means Juju's likely in the slot. And I think at this Hello, stage Hello, shallow his, cross, right? Yeah. I mean, at this stage of his career, I think Juju is much better out of the out of the, the slot than he is out wide. Still struggles a little against press coverage. You can scheme things up for him in the middle of the field. He's got the physicality and run after the catch. So I do think their receiver moves are really imply that Juju's their top slot guy, and that's where he's gonna be. Yeah, and I think I think he's going to bounce back. I I thought he was, uh, you know, the being the guy after you know t- trying to be Batman after you'd been Robin. That's that that's going to take some getting used to. He wasn't healthy, missed four games, and I think he played hurt in a lot of other ones. But he also just did not come through. Uh, the fumble against Baltimore, uh, the the drop pass at the end of the Jets game when he could have scored the winning touchdown. I think he's a really good player. I think he is going to bounce back and, and maybe have more around him that will allow him to do that. But uh, I, I I think it's going to be a, a much better year for him than it was a year ago. Do you think Deontay can challenge him for most targets, most catches on the team? No. Okay. I mean, I know that's lofty, but. I I, I think Juju's going to bounce back and be that guy, mm-hmm. and I think I think Deontay Johnson's going to be a real nice compliment to him, and then Claypool's going to be a specialty guy, and uh, we'll see what they figure out after that. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that, and James Washington led the team in receiving yards last year. He doesn't even. He kind of gets forgotten. He kind of gets. He's kind of pushed aside, but he had over 500 yards receiving in the second half of last season. Um, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he you know what role he carves out. Uh, for himself, what role they carve out for him. Uh, because as we know, I mean, they do like to run a lot of three-receiver sets, but now you've got two tight ends. So, you know, the the mix there is going to be quite interesting, I think. And, and Dale, I yeah. sent you something just like an hour or two ago. It was on ESPN today that in 2018, the Steelers led the league by a wide margin in five wide receiver sets. And last year they led the league in five receiver sets, and it all came with Ben. 
So, I, I mean, that was only in the game and a half. And right. So we may see a lot of receivers on the field. Yeah, I still think there's, uh, you know, they can do that. And even if it's four receivers in one of those tight sure. ends. Ebron, could, or, yeah. you know, right, right. I, I think they can be effective running that offense because those guys are, one of those guys is going to get somebody's, uh, you know, they're going to get a safety matched up on them or they're going to get somebody's fourth yeah. cornerback. And I like their chances in those situations. What about you, Mike? Uh, I hope we see uh, uh, three is three is nice. I, I'd like I'm with you guys uh, for for what we were talking about earlier. I'd like I'd like to see a back involved and at least one tight end involved uh, and kind of balance it out that way. But uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, they, they certainly have options, right? And uh, they love they love that they 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 love to have uh, many ways to uh, skin the proverbial cat, and uh, hopefully uh, running the ball will be one of them. Uh, Connor, another guy that's got to bounce back, and I think he's a guy that can uh, be a versatile kind of player for you. Uh, probably their best blocking back, right? Uh, if, so. if you're talking about protecting yeah. Yeah. protecting Roethlisberger. So uh, here's something crazy. Does he become the third down guy, and does Benny Snell become kind of the early pounder if you're worried about preserving Connor and then uh, McFarland's to change up? I don't think so. I think Tomlin's history – Dwyer year aside is just so strong of favoring his lead guy that I know Connor's durability is a huge question mark, but I just think that's what Tomlin believes. And I remember his quote saying something along the lines of not only do I like to to feed the best guy the ball the most, but the continuity that a back creates and Lev Bell was a perfect example with his lineman. And in a shortened season like this, back to the point of simplifying Maybe you run four or five runs that Connor likes the most and rep them like crazy in practice and really get a feel between the back and his blockers. And, and you know, Mike, the thing that, that, that I was interested in when, uh, last early last week, they went out and they got Wendell Smallwood. Um, now, this is a guy, to me, who is a, a perfect complimentary third down back. Um, he catches the ball well. He can actually run between the tackles a little bit. Uh, he's everything to me that Jalen Samuels is not uh, in, in that he's a much more complete football player. Um, I think they're going to use him. I, I think he ends up making this roster, and I think it might be at, at the expense of, of Jalen Samuels. And if they do that, um, I could see them use you know just using Connor on first and second down and perhaps using Smallwood some in those situations. I like Gareth White too. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, he, I just don't trust him in pass protection right, at all. Right, that is a problem. Yeah, I kind of got over that, but uh, I'm really interested in <laughs> I'm really interested in Benny Snell this year. I, I think he had a pretty good year, sort of under the radar. Uh, but uh, from what I was told at the end of the year, they were really happy with him. And if he makes that jump, uh, that first to second year jump, uh, it's, a, it's an intriguing guy to me. To your point, though, Mike, I mean, do you two both agree that if Connor is out, it's week three, he's out on Wednesday. We know he's not going to play. Snell leads the team in rushes. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I, I would yeah. agree with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just last year, th- my problem with him last year, Mike, was that he was too much of a tell. Uh, you know, when he was on the field, they were running the football. Mm-hmm. When Samuels was out there, they were throwing the football. They're throwing the football. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think Smallwood gives them the opportunity to, to do either one because he's accomplished at both, uh, whereas they just didn't have that last year. Yeah. As that is that backup behind Connor. I hope McFarland turns in. I hope, that yeah, too. there's yeah. A, there's hope that With McFarland the becomes ceiling. that guy. Yeah. 
Uh, but certainly the signing of Smallwood tells me that they're hedging their bets on the all of that stuff yeah, happening. Right. Yeah, they're hedging on somebody. Yeah, that's uh, that guy's got a little bit of. I mean, that guy's got a career four average. Yeah, and he's got a thousand rushing yards in his career. He's had you know I think a forty five catch season. So it's, this is not a throwaway. Much like the the sa- the safety signing of Riley, this is not a throwaway guy that you just signed at the start of training camp. It's also a very yeah. young room, like the wide receivers, and yeah. it's also the thirty second in cap room in the league at the running back. Right, they're not there. spending right. a lot of money there. Not either. a lot of resources in that room right now. Yeah, so you add another veteran body to that mix, and uh, you know maybe he uh, gives you something. And, hey, let's face it, they used six different running backs last year, um, you know, yeah. to to carry the football. Uh, with that expanded practice squad this year, one of those guys probably ends up on that practice squad. To me, if it's me, I'm putting Samuels as the guy that's the odd man out. I just don't see anybody picking him up, but maybe I'm wrong. And, and Mike, something we were talking about earlier, there was a stretch last year that the Steelers would have killed for Wendell Smallwood. <laughs> yeah, and, you're not wrong. You are right, not you wrong. Know, that's that's just the reality of the situation they were in last year. Uh, they can't afford for Connor to be out for four or five games at a stretch. They can't afford for James Connor to get 24 carries in the entire second half of the season. Just can't afford to do that. Probably not. Although he's, I mean, he has been really good at times. I'm not doubting the ability. But he's gotten hurt every year, right? He got hurt his rookie year when he didn't hardly play. Yeah. Um, th- you know, to expect him to have a, a typical Mike Tomlin run him till the wheels fall off kind of season, I-, I think the wheels are coming off sooner rather than later. At least that's been the history. Hope I'm wrong about that. But uh, yeah, it- it's good, I think, that they have some options because I-, I think they're going to need them. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, Mike, we got to let you go. We appreciate you stopping by and joining us here on the Training Camp Report. That was Mike Pursuta. Of course, uh, from DVE, uh, we appreciate him dropping by. And, of course, the Steelers Radio Network. Uh, you can hear Mike on all the uh, pregame shows. Uh, but he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. Be right back with the second hour right after this. Shooter stopping by as he will do yeah, every day uh, between the hours of six and seven to join us here on the show, talk a little Steelers football. But we're going to continue the conversation. And uh, Matt, you wanted to talk a little bit about something that we talked about earlier in the show, and that being the Steelers' run defense. Yeah, Mike brought it up, and it, it I have mixed feelings about it because I'm an analytically in tune analyst, and, and I do believe wholeheartedly I'd much rather be against the pass and that starts with the pass rush but along with coverage and if you're going to be a little weak in some area the run defense doesn't bother me because nobody runs the football because people don't run the football right and I think there's a misconception well you need a nose tackle yeah that helps but it's not the only way to skin a cat in terms of you know stopping the run you put more people in the box you could be faster you get more people to the ball 
But Mike kind of mentioned it. I mean, when you look at the top teams in the AFC, Baltimore screams at you. They run the football. They do, but it, uh, 80 yards a game of it is from the quarterback. Yeah, but those are designed runs. They're designed runs. With I 10 get blockers that. Coming but at you're you. you're getting out. Those are all like when when people were were talking to me. Well, how how are they going to play the run against Baltimore without a nose tackle? See that part doesn't. Bother Lamar Jackson's not right. running the ball up the middle of the field. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Casey Hampton's not tracking down Lamar Jackson. No, that's either. not happening. You need to track him down with speed. But what they do do well though is they'll bring that big 270 pound fullback in too and run up the gut on you. You know, yeah. with Ingram or whomever. So they're obviously a very good running team, and it's the foundation of their offense. But Indy is going to be very run heavy, I think. And you add Taylor and a good line. You know the Titans are going to be Derrick Henry esque. The the Chiefs certainly are not. Right. You know, I think the Chargers, who I think are a talented team, are going to be more run heavy than they've been with a running quarterback. The Patriots, I think, will be pretty run-heavy with a run running quarterback, but their offense doesn't scare me in general. Right, no, no. And I think Buffalo's at least going to be balanced, if not heavier, towards a run. And and absolutely, Cleveland is. Well, so, here's the way that here's the way that the Chiefs defend that. They, they score go fifty. They score yeah. They, <laughs> right. they go out and score fifty yeah, right, points. Right, right. I'll also say this: while we're we're, we're the Steelers' their run defense is bad. The, the Steelers' run defense was not. They gave up a lot of yards last year. Mm-hmm. They also gave up 3.7 yards a carry, which was third best in the league. Yeah, I know, I know, right. So they had 150 more rushing plays against them last year than they had the previous year. Yes. Again, Ben Roethlisberger helps take care of too much defense. You're, that's about defense. an average of yes. 10 carries a game. So, yes. yes, you're going to give up more yards. In addition— Your offense is three and out, and you get right back on yeah, the field. And the Steelers the led the league in tackles for a loss. That doesn't surprise me. First, I heard that. But that so, if you me. give up five yards on first down on a run, mm-hmm. but then you drop him in the backfield— for a loss, yeah. or you do it vice versa. You you get a you get him for a three yard loss on first down, yeah. and he gets five yards on second. You're still in third and eight, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to throw the football, and then you're in trouble. Yeah. Now, I, now I, last I, year I they you. were getting into those situations, and teams were just continuing to run the ball. Third and eight, that's okay. We're going to run the ball again, and we'll, punt's fine, and we'll punt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And teams will not. We talk about this a lot too. I mean, teams' offensive game plans against the Steelers. They can't. Keep they got the same incredibly strategy. conservative right. in the second half of last year. No way in 2020 can teams approach playing the Steelers the same way they did last year, because no one in the league does that. <laughs> right. It's not like oh, we'll just run it three times. We're going to run a high school offense against these guys right. and run the ball. You know, eat up three minutes, forty-five times, and throw and it ten. Do it again. Yeah. And by the fourth quarter, we'll start springing some because they're so tired. That's not how the NFL works. Right. <laughs> right. But it, it did kind of dawn on me was when we were chatting with him. The AFC top teams run the ball pretty well. They do. You, they do. They do, know? yeah. And, I mean, you could even throw, for example, a team like the Raiders into that. Yeah, I mean, they have a big, powerful offense. Or Denver. Good back. You know, Denver's right. going to run the back. I mean, so, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, but, again, that doesn't bother me if you're, if, you're at, if you're putting 28 points on the board every week. Yeah, or 24, like you said. Right. You know, if you're getting into the 20s, teams are going to have to throw to beat if your you're if, if they're not fearing that you're going to break 17 – they're going to continue to run the ball. It's all about how they prepare yeah. and how they how they look at that team. I mean, we couldn't say it enough that if, that if those head coaches weren't screaming at their team all week, don't turn the ball over and we'll win, then they weren't. Then they were coaching, coaching malpractice. Yeah. yeah, right. And you know, the other part of that equation is that when you are, when you have a Ben Roethlisberger out there, you're not going three and out a lot. Right. Your defense. 
You're standing on the sidelines right. watching right. your offense. Even if you're throwing them, even even in 2018 when they were throwing the balls, they still had a time of possession advantage. Oh yeah, and, and people have a misconception about that too. Like a lot of their passes that year were at or behind the line of scrimmage too. I mean, those are extended running plays. I'm sure they were RPOs. I mean, I'd have to go back and watch them, but. If someone's eight yards off AB, isn't it better and just as safe to throw it to him than hand it to Connor? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And you get four yards off it, and it's second and six, and you eight clock, and maybe you went out of bounds, who knows, but it's still a very safe play that the defense gives you. To that point, the Steelers in 2018 ran the ball just three, 345 times. Mm-hmm. It was one of the fewest in the league in terms of how many plays, how many running plays that they had. Opponents ran the ball 369 times against them. Not that big a difference. Not that much. Not that no, many right. times more because they they couldn't because the Steelers were putting they were putting points on the board. It's the game strip. The game yeah. scripts dictated it. You right. Know, right. You know. So I mean, if you force them to play, you know, if you're going down in, in your, they didn't score a single time last year in their opening possession. <laughs> right. Not once right. did they score a touchdown. Like you gotta you gotta do that every once in a while to yeah. keep them honest. I have the numbers at home, but they were. Amongst the worst in the league at first quarter offense, point differential after the first quarter, right. point differential at half. And got to that 2018 team, too, they didn't have the defense that this team's going right. to have. You know, so yeah. they had to look at, they had to enter a game saying, well, we better get to 30. Right. You know, and yeah, that was, that was the plan. Um, you know, and that was, that was what they were built to do. They were built mm-hmm. to play offense. They thought they were going to have Le'Veon Bell and, sure. You know, Part yeah. of, as part of that as well. I mean, they know how they their script to win a game. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just look at this and I think, well, I mean, I think, you know, if you get – they don't have they don't want Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball 675 times again. No, I think that's a given. Right. I mean, yeah. I think, again, if you if you scale that back and let's say it's between 550 and, and 575, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range, I mean, that's that's still a decent amount of throwing the, of the football. So you're going to have to run the ball more effectively. Yeah. You want him instead of coming out on first down every time. Hey, we're just going to throw, throw, throw. Um, it's okay to run, run, throw. Oh, right, he's more right. than good enough because so many teams this year are going to be playing base defenses because they're they're you know they're going to be breaking in a bunch of new guys. Mm-hmm. They're going to have fourteen practices to get them ready. Uh, you know the the, the immediate check da- check ban is going to be. Well, okay, they they put a man in motion. We got to check to a cover two here, mm-hmm. or we got to check to a cover three or a single yeah. high, whatever it may be. He's going to eat that up. He's going to eat that up. Yeah, yeah, it's third and six. He's just going to he's going to have a little pitch and catch with somebody, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. going to you're going to go do it again. And especially on early downs, I would think to stay ahead of the chains, um, knowing what you're going to get. And the massive difference, even if he's compromised as a passer from what we've used been used to as an all time great thrower, just knowing. Every, there's no perfect defense, or everybody would run the same thing. Right. He knows where defenses. He's are He's seen every defense. Right. That I, anybody could run against him. Yes. Everyone. He's a better blackjack player. He knows when to hit. He knows when. You know. What I mean? Like he he understands his odds much better than the people last year. And he can also check them into and out of good and bad plays. That's what I mean. Right. Which they didn't have the ability to do last no. year. I mean, the chances of the call coming in from the booth to your quarterback. In and being spectacularly right, it's thin, and right. you know. And if the other, if the guy at the line of scrimmage can check out to even a basic run, just knowing there's only six in the box, and you pick up five, everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was so little of that last. There were so. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the, the the game plan from week to week after Roethlisberger went out had to be, the script had to be pretty thin. 
Right. I mean, even the Bengal game where they ran Wildcat, that's desperate times. Yeah. You know, like they didn't practice that this time of year last year. I mean, that's, that was. That's, we need to get a win however, however we got to do we it. However we possibly yeah. can. And we'll put our pride aside, you know, and and do anything we possibly can against a team that played them tough but ended up being the worst team in the league. You know, like it doesn't matter. There's no style points anymore. Right. And, and so I, I think that, uh, again, I, I think Roethlisberger, uh, his, him being back raises a lot of the, the ships. Yeah. Again, even if he's not a Superman thrower anymore. Just having his mind on the field. Yeah. And, and Roethlisberger, I don't know that he's ever gotten the respect that some of the other quarterbacks in not the league in have that gotten. capacity. No. Um, you know, maybe that was deserved early in his career because so much of what he did so. right, was right. just him running around and, and, you know, kind of improvising. Mm-hmm. But I really think in the last 10 years, we've seen him become a much more complete quarterback. I think Haley had a lot to do with that. Yeah, yeah I think you, yeah, the, the, that era. Hey, we, here's what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. If this isn't there, we're checking. To, you know, get take the easy throw. Yeah, take the. He's more willing to take that layup now oh, yeah, more yeah. than ever before. More than ever. Where before. before he was kicking it out for a three pointer every single time. <laughs> right. Or, or he to wanted dunk a thunder. Jack, yeah, or right, yeah. Yeah. He wanted a dunk. Now he's willing to, to dish off and take the layup. Mm-hmm. I do think, and you'd probably remember much better than me, but there had to be an organizational shift. Right about when they switched from Arians to Haley. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, when when Art Rooney right. II comes out and says, we need to protect Ben, we need to protect our quarter, our, our franchise most quarterback. Most guy in league every yeah. year, right. And in, in that last season in 2018 that he played, again, four, 675 passing attempts, 24 sacks. Right, right. And I some mean, of them are quick hitters, yeah. but that's on purpose too. Right, right. that's right. the that slow that pass rush down. Right. I mean, that's only 24 negative plays. You can look at the, the interceptions or negative plays yeah, as well. Course, so, right. Okay, so 40 negative plays when you put the ball in the air uh, 700 times. Mm-hmm. The old adage, uh, adage uh, of, hey, I don't like throwing because two out of three things are bad. Well, I mean, that's an easy <laughs> way of looking at it. But yeah. only one out of – or four, 40 out of 700 things are bad. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> – That's, you know, too, that's, bad. that's right. not too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you certainly don't like the interceptions, but 24 sacks. Right. I mean, sacks are often a quarterback stat. Yeah, absolutely. We, also, we saw that last year a we lot. Did, yeah. We did a lot. I hope it doesn't get to this, but all these things we're talking about, I promise you Rudolph would be better this year than last year. Actually. No doubt. You know what no I mean? doubt. He's got the in-helmet perspective now. Right. He had an offseason to study this thing. Speed of the game won't shock him. He had no time whatsoever last year to actually take a breath. No, <laughs> no, no. Because as soon as he would get done, you know, he played the 49ers in his first start in San Francisco. As we saw, that was one of the best defenses in the league. I yep. said it at the time. And great pass rush. Right. Yeah, great pass rush. They end up going to the Super Bowl. That's your first start. Welcome to the league. You know? Yeah, Kyler Murray would have lost <laughs> And that they had a chance to win that football game. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, you know, the, the next week they come and they're, they're desperate for a win, so they run the Wildcat stuff. Okay, his third mm-hmm. start comes against the Ravens. <laughs> right, right. A really difficult, maybe the most difficult team in the league to play against. Right. I mean, and their offensive philosophy rolls over to their defense, too. Yeah. You know, that they're on the field so much, the defense is always fresh, and they are a very complex blitz package and coverage disguises and man coverage. They're a handful mentally for Ben. Yeah, no, no doubt. And so, you know, he missed that game against the Chargers, then he comes back, he played well against the Dolphins. Played well against the Colts. Mm-hmm. Uh, played well against the Rams. Yeah, and then he has the bad game up in Cleveland, and everybody's ready to ship him out of town. Mm-hmm. 
And it was, in a, a, it game was a terrible game. But in, it was, in a game in which, you know, Connor leaves in the first quarter, Juju leaves in the second quarter, Deontay Johnson leaves in the third quarter. Thursday game on the road. Yeah, you know, short week. Short week. In a game that is traditionally Cleveland's Super Bowl. Yeah. I, and I'm not defending Rudolph here, but a healthy Ben from eight years ago loses that game by 20. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, was, that game was... They had, they were pulling guys off the street that didn't know what routes to run. And, Tevin you know. Jones was was running routes in the fourth quarter. Right. Uh, I like Tevin Jones as a player. Uh, good for him. I yeah. did not want him running fourth quarter. <laughs> no. You know, in the running, being one of three healthy receivers on the field, and the running backs were in shambles. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee not only are those guys not going to beat professional players or are great players in their own right, but I'm sure Coach Feekner's like. Well, I can call like four things. Yeah, <laughs> and I, two protections, and the, and the Browns know these things. You know? Yeah, on right. a short week, and everybody's tired, and yeah. they have no, you know, right. Yeah, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to be doing these uh, throughout Training Camp here from six to eight to kind of finish off the day's events, and uh, of course, uh, Training Camp really starting to heat up here. The vet- veteran players on the field, including Ben Roethlisberger today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break and come back. We'll talk a little more Steelers football and what's going on around the league as well right after this. It seems that uh, Sabotage is the training camp report theme song. That's our second time with Sabotage tonight. Those are all random nowadays. I Those think. are random. Yeah. We have no idea or yeah, way to uh, pick the dice what rolls. We, yeah. yeah, because it used to be the you know long way to the top. Yeah, that happened a lot, right? If you, right. If, but that was our theme song on the drive, our usual <laughs> show in the afternoons. And Jacob always Jacob always apologized to you if Dave Matthews popped and up. Da- and Jacob does apologize, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to give people a rundown of what our training camp shows look like here uh, for the month of August, yeah, we got we got, we got we got Wolf back on the air from ten to twelve every day. Uh, then you get Wesley Euler from uh, twelve to one, okay, uh, by himself, kind of. Going through everything that's happened over wrapping, the day, yeah, right, yeah right. wrapping things up. Then bring, we come back on uh, with the drive from one to three. That's yeah. our our typical afternoon show that we do during training camp. Yeah. Only we're not during the at, season yeah. at four to six. Four, yeah. During yeah. the season, we go, we bump to four to six. Then at uh, three until six o'clock, you get Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes yeah. uh, on these very airwaves, and then we finish up the day here from six to eight. So lots and lots. That's ten hours of. Steelers talk here on on Steelers Nation Radio. You and can't get that pursued, can't get that anywhere else. No, that's pretty awesome. And Pursuit is going to join us the first hour every evening throughout too, right? camp. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, once we start back to practices uh, and we're able to go in and watch, mm-hmm. you'll be joined on on this time uh, by Adam Crowley since right. I have to be over at the stadium. But I'm going to call in and check in with you guys during that one to three time period. Cool. The way this is working this year, we get labs too every week. Yeah. Yeah. Once we check into the stadium, yeah, explain that a little bit for training. Like when training camp actually starts, when we check into the building, we have to stay in the building. We can't leave. If you leave, you can't come you can't back. Come back, okay? Yeah, you you can't stay. You can't go home. Don't you? You can't stay here. Do you know um, if you're gonna like 
take your temperature or anything every day? Like I the, believe, yeah. If, if we're certain, there's two different tiers for the media. There's tier two M, uh, and there's certain number of only a certain number of tier two guys uh, every day, and there's a cert, uh, bigger number of tier three people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Steelers are splitting that up on a daily basis, but you're um, a tier two person, though, right? I would think most days the tier the tier two most guys are days. most okay, mostly the writers. I think gotcha. we're going to rotate with that with that a little bit, um, but because they only have a small number of, of those available. Um, but if you, once you're in the stadium to watch practice, you have to you have to be there a at a certain time, mm-hmm. and then b when you're in the building, you have to be in the building. You can't go anywhere. You can't else. go in and out. I mean, right. If you leave, you're not coming. Yeah, back. Yeah. So yet. I mean, okay. we were we were told don't forget anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Right. If you do, too bad. Yeah. And obviously, if you have an emergency or something, you can leave, but you're yeah. not coming. But back you're yet. not getting practice. You're not yeah. going to see practice. Uh, so I mean, they're only being with there only being 14 practices. You want to see them all. Heck yeah. Um, the I want first, you to tell me about them too. The first 45 minutes of those practices are going to be shown on Steelers.com. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It is. So you know, if you're watching and you can sit at home, if you're at your office or what have you, you're working from home, you can sit and watch those first 45 minutes of practice, mm-hmm. like you're watching a training camp practice. Yeah, and you'll see Ben throwing, and you'll yeah. see some individual drills, and you'll certainly see stretch and maybe some seven on seven. That yeah, kind of stuff. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you pay close enough attention, you'll probably be able to figure out who's practicing and who isn't. Right. You know, I mean, that stuff's generally. You know, already happened in yeah. the top forty. Then that last uh, hour and a half to two hours of practice is going to be closed. They're not mm-hmm. going to. They're not. But when I say close, they're shutting the cameras down. We're not allowed to live tweet like we do mm-hmm. during a regular training camp practice. Even though we're allowed to be there, that's more like a regular season practice where we can't report what we see. They're doing game plan stuff. They're doing right X's and O's stuff. Because that, again, they only really they only have fourteen practices to yeah. get this thing ready to get ready for a game. Um, and you explained this the other day, too, that in the past, you guys could tweet from the sidelines even late in the practice because there's a hillside of people doing yeah. the same thing. If it's know, an right. open practice like it is for training camp, it's fair, everything's fair game. Yeah. These are going to be closed practices in the second half of that practice, so we can't report, say, for example, well, it looks like uh, you know Chase Claypool took, took snaps with the starters today. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Yeah, or even that he made an awesome catch. Or, right. Right, right, right. Okay. Or you could, you know, you can say, we can't even say uh, Ben Roethlisberger was 11 of 14 on mm-hmm. the you know, two-minute drill today, that kind of stuff. Let alone, wow, they, they did the whole practice in 10 personnel with four or, receivers. Or they all, yeah, wore right. swim, they all wore swimming suits today. <laughs> right, 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 well, right, we might right. be able to say that. Maybe that would yeah. come up or sneak out. But right. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. I mean, it's just such a weird, weird world. But I just keep coming down to the number fourteen. I mean, that's not much. It's not many at all. You know, to figure out your when you roster, think about what you normally have. Chart. I mean, Mike Tomlin talked about it a few weeks ago. Nine hundred plus snaps. <coughs> excuse me, that they lost in the yeah. off season. Just in the off season. Now think about the snaps that they lost. That they in training camp. I mean, we we should already be in the second week of training camp. Not to mention they were going to report a week earlier than everybody else. The right. Hall of Fame game. You know, and four games worth of snaps. You know, and, and it's funny, I mean, how, how things change. It was six months or so ago, we were like, oh, they got the Hall of Fame game. It's going to be a long <laughs> game. And I was like, that would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, the Steelers have not yet had a player opt out, and I don't know that, you know, that they will. It looks like the deadline for that's going to be Wednesday now. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll people see. are still trickling in across the across There the are. Yeah. Uh, if you look here at the voluntary opt-outs for the Ravens, it's uh, DeAnthony Thomas and Andre Smith, uh, wide receiver, mm-hmm. kick returner and offensive lineman. For the Bills, it's defensive tackle Starlu Talele and cornerback E.J. Gaines. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a he's played a lot of snaps. Yeah, career, I mean, yeah. so that's two significant guys for it the is. Bills that, that are voluntary opt-outs. Uh, for the Cowboys, it's Maurice Kennedy, uh, cornerback Maurice Kennedy, and wide receiver Stephon Gidry, Stephen Gidry, I should say. For the Packers, it's wide receiver Devin Funchess. Yeah, they gave him money and they're kind yeah. of counting on the guy, you know. Uh, for the Texans, it's defensive tackle Eddie Vanderdoes. Um, for the Jaguars, it's uh, edge rusher uh, Lorente McCray. Okay. Uh, for the Chiefs, it's offensive lineman uh, Laurent Duverne Tardif. He's, mm-hmm. of course, uh, one of their starters. Yeah, he's their best the guard. Interior yeah. offensive lineman. For the Patriots, the voluntary opt outs are now up to Dante Hightower, fullback Dan Vitale. Uh, running back Brandon Bolden, offensive lineman Najee Turan, and wide receiver Marquise Lee. Wow. So even there's guys like Cannon on that list or Damian Williams that aren't on that list but aren't or are still yeah, on the Yeah, they're higher-risk guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, it's wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the C- C- uh, Seahawks, it's offensive lineman Chance Wormack. Okay, I hadn't heard that one. But okay. um, yeah, for the Titans, it's offensive lineman Anthony McKinney. Okay. Um, higher-risk opt-outs. Uh, Christian McKinney. Uh, Linebacker Christian Miller for the Panthers just opted out today as a higher-risk guy. You have an edge pass rush type. Yeah. Uh, for the Rams, it's offensive tackle Chandler Brewer. For the Vikings, defensive tackle Michael Pierce. Yeah, it's a big, big, big name. Yeah. yeah, they were counting on him to be a starter. For the Patriots, it's uh, right tackle Marcus Cannon. Which leaves a gaping hole there. Yeah. Right? They don't really have another plan. Uh, for the Washington football team, it's defensive defensive end Caleb Brantley. I can't get used to saying I've that. I've never said it yet. Yeah. Uh, unspecified opt-outs. We don't know what these ones are yet, but certainly um, they could be voluntary. They could be un- involuntary. We don't know at this point. But for the Carolina Panthers, it's linebacker Jordan Mack. For the Chicago Bears, defensive tackle Eddie Goldman and safety Jordan Lucas. Goldman's a big one. I mean, yeah. He's a very good player. Uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, it's defensive tackle uh, Josh Topu and offensive tackle Isaiah Prince. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns, it's guard Drew Forbes, who, as I understand, they they were thinking might be a potential starter Could for them in that this mix. Year. Yeah. So they're kind of looking for a starting guard. Yeah, and also offensive tackle Drake Dorbeck. Okay, I'm not familiar uh, with them. Well, uh, again, but they're losing some depth. Yeah, in their right, offensive right. Line. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, it's fullback Jamie's Olawale. For the uh, def- Denver Broncos, defensive tackle Kyle Pecco and right tackle. Uh, Juwan James. That's a big one. I mean, yeah. We'll get to the Jets here, I bet, in a second. But there's two teams that just gave a guy huge money two years ago. He was hurt his whole first year of the team, and now he's off and out. Yeah. Like, oh, boy. For the Detroit Lions, uh, defensive tackle John Atkins and wide receiver Geronimo Allison. Yeah. Now we talk about Allison in the 1 o'clock hour. Yeah. He's, he's a good player. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's defensive tackle Al Woods, a former Stealer. Mm-hmm. Nose for tackle the, type. For the Kansas City Chiefs, running back Damian Williams. Yeah. Uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders, it's defensive back D.J. Killings and defensive end Jeremiah Valoga. Uh, for the Patriots, again, being hit here, safety Patrick Chung, tight end Matt Lacoste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lacoste is a depth player. That's, yeah, I mean, you know, he, had, he has some he, value, he, too. Yeah, there's, there's, he might have been number Chung's three. Chung's an important yeah. guy on their, li- on their defense. Uh, for the Saints, tight ends uh, Jason Vanderlaan and Cole Wick. Uh, for the Giants, who the Steelers play in week one, it's, it's left tackle Nate Solder. And wide receiver Damari Scott. Mm-hmm. Soldiers, they're going to probably start two rookies. Yeah. Or, or possibly the Flem- uh, Flemings and others tackle they have. Good like, luck with that either right, way. Right, right. Uh, yeah. For the Jets, it's offensive line, lineman Leo Kolamanatange, whatever that, whatever uh, that name is. Yeah. 
And then linebacker C.J. Mosley opted out. That's the one we were talking about yeah. before. They gave him a bazillion dollars to take him off the Ravens. Didn't play at all last year, and now he's opting out. Yeah. And then, for again, for the Washington football team, it's linebacker Josh Harvey Clemens. Uh, he's got some ability, too. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of these guys on, these, on this opt-out, unspecified opt-out list, are guys that you probably haven't heard a lot about. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why the NFL is saying, hey, we want this cutoff on these opt-outs. Right. On, I don't want to pay this guy a salary. On Wednesday like because team, or, yeah. guys are opting out who didn't have a chance to make a team. Mm-hmm. They're going to get one hundred fifty dollars or $350,000. Now, they're supposed to pay that back next year if when they make the – the roster, but but they may never come back to playing football. Yeah, good luck I mean? chasing that down. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, so. I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's a good business move. All right, I'll sit this season. It's out. like getting a hundred fifty thousand dollar loan, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Invest it if you want, or do whatever Absolutely. you want. Absolutely right. So, anyways, I just thought we'd go over that list. Before Hopefully, there's we, no more. Yeah, we'll see here, but I think it should start to trickle down a little bit. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear that interview we had earlier today with Ike Hilliard. Uh, We'll get to that right after this. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. Media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the official new wide receivers coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers is Ike Hilliard. Yeah, this is a good interview, so let's just dig right in. Yeah, let's hear what Ike Hilliard had to say uh, today in his first uh, media availability uh, on a Zoom call. Steelers have never really had a receivers coach as accomplished as you are on the field so my question is, did you think that helped with you with your interview? And how does being a former player who's been there, done that in this league, uh, go with helping the younger wide receivers and teaching them? Uh, regarding the interview process, um, I think you'd be better off, uh, you know, asking the head coach how, you know, he saw it. I, I would hope uh, that to some degree being fortunate enough to play 12 years uh, would help me uh, in terms of uh, how I communicate what I communicate, uh, how I can detail uh, what I need to detail for each player or collectively for the group uh, in terms of the nuances of the position. So uh, for me, uh, I think I'd have to go back uh, uh, to my first job interview and uh, the late Tony Sperano told me that, you know, uh, playing years are like dog years to coaches and, and it's a little bit different uh, in, in terms of uh, communicating with the players, how you deal with the players, how the players deal with you, uh, the things that you see on the move uh, uh, regarding playing the game and, and things of that nature. So, you know, really harness that, you know, to, to the fullest uh, capability and, and try to exude that every time you teach. Uh, so hopefully it helps. Uh, I, I think um, I've been unfortunately blessed, uh, unbelievably blessed, I should say, not unfortunately. Uh, unbelievably blessed uh, up until this point to uh, still be around the game and looking forward to continuing to lean on that that experience uh, as I continue to teach. Thanks, Mike. Great. Brooke Pryor, ESPN. Hey, Ike. Thanks for doing this. Um, kind of going off Mark's question, 
the Steelers have a really young receiving core. What's your connection been with them so far? And, and what things have you noticed specifically in guys like Deontay Johnson and Juju um, that they need to do to kind of, in Juju's case, return to his his form a couple years ago and Deontay to make that second year jump that the Steelers like to see out of a lot of their wide receivers? I think every year as a coach, you want to see continuous growth, you know, out of every player. Uh, it's no different here. Uh, yes, on paper, uh, it's a considerably young group, uh, but I've, I've been around young groups before. I've coached young players before. I've been blessed that way. Uh, this group is a little younger than uh, the group I had in Buffalo. And that's Stevie Johnson uh, and, you know, newly drafted Robert Woods, newly drafted Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Chris Hogan, after he'd been cut three times, um, you know, guys like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to, uh, you know, dealing with younger players and, and trying to help them with their journey. Uh, as far as, you know, each of those guys are concerned that a year, uh, you know, Juju, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to bounce back this year from, you know, from his injuries uh, from last year. I mean, he looks great. Uh, he's worked incredibly hard. Uh, so we're looking forward to, to having Juju for a healthy 16-plus. Uh, Deontay needs to continue to grow and detail his work and mature and, and things of that nature. And I can go down the list from, you know, from those two guys to Ryan Switzer to Chase Claypool and, you know, all the guys in the room. I think uh, everyone will be pleased if, if uh, you know, if I can get the most out of these players and, and uh, uh, everyone involved including you guys, including everybody in the building, can see continuous growth on a weekly basis. Thank Ray Fittipaldo, Post-Gazette. Oh, sleep, no? Okay. Hi, Ike, how are you? Outstanding, how about yourself? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, just following up on Brooke's question, um, a young room, but it is fairly accomplished. Um, some of those guys have, have done some things in this league. And then you add on two veteran um, accomplished tight ends that are going to get targets too. How do you keep all those guys content and happy in their roles, you know, uh, as you juggle their egos and, and you know, that sort of thing? Uh, winning is the, the cure-all. Uh, I think everybody's heard that before. Uh, you win football games, everyone is happy. Uh, I, I've, I've really never been concerned with, with egos and uh, attitudes and personalities. Uh, that comes with the territory. Uh, I think when guys understand uh, what the ultimate goal is, uh, we won't have those issues. And, and it starts day one. Uh, we have, a, you know, a, well, I personally think a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, coming back this year healthy, and uh, he's going to lead this team. He's going to get the ball where it's supposed to go. And it's our job to make the play when the ball's in the air, and uh, we won't have to worry about uh, any of that other stuff going forward. And Bouchette, the athletic. Hello, Ike. Sorry for the delay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with with such a young group, uh, is there is a leader emerging like Juju, and is that important to have one? Well, it starts with me. You know, in the room with with how uh, I deliver the message. You know, by way of the head coach and offensive coordinator, uh, it's my job to help these uh, these young men uh, prepare the way that they're supposed to prepare. I have to teach them how to be pros and. Uh, you know, that's no disrespect to anyone that's been here before me, but that's uh, 
you know, what I've been asked to do and I intend to do that. So I'm going to uh, lead by example, uh, lead them through the way I teach, how I prepare, how I prepare them, uh, what we do every day from a fundamental standpoint, how we see the big picture uh, on a snap by snap basis. Uh, but those leaders usually emerge uh, uh, throughout competition, uh, throughout daily work. And, um, you know, that'll at some point uh, take care of itself outside of me. Prezuda, DVE. How's it going, Ike? Outstanding. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you have a good track record with rookies in particular in your coaching career. Uh, McLaren last year was the latest example. How much of what has worked coaching up rookies previously is unavailable to you this year because of these circumstances? And how do you intend to work around what you can't do? Every year is the same for me. I'm not going to make any excuses. Uh, we're going to get these guys ready to play. Um, these kids are extremely talented. And uh, it's just our job just to get the most out of them. Uh, we're not going to make any excuses about uh, how much you know time we missed in the off season on the grass or any of those things. We've worked uh, virtually. We've worked hard. Uh, we have to now uh, make sure that when we do get real snaps, you know, we maximize those, um, and and we get the most out of those players on on a snap by snap basis. It's going to be no different this year. These. These young men are going to be productive, and, and we're all going to be proud of what you know the product that we put on the field. Jim Wexler, Four Seven Sports. Hi, Ike. Hey, uh, what? Uh, I'm good. What do you bring as a coach that's unique uh, to the wide receiver position? <clears throat> I think for me, um, I lean a lot on my uh, in helmet experience. Um, uh, so there's a certain feel and, and, and timing and spacing uh, portion of receiver play. And sometimes that, you know, that I guess, uh, it, you know, it's really not, uh, not talked about uh, a lot. And I think it's important for young players to know that outside of the progression on a quarterback, that the, the spacing and timing uh, and the rhythm of his play is just as important uh, as their individual uh, talent level in regards to how they get open depending on coverage uh, and before they make a play. And I think uh, helping them understand that uh, on a snap-by-snap -snap basis and how they fit within every concept, uh, how their role uh, evolves uh, during the course of a, a game um, uh, based on the game plan and understanding the big picture and what we're trying to accomplish. I think a lot of that um, is what uh, I hopefully uh, and, and confidently uh, will bring to the table uh, to help these young men be successful. Joe Rudder, Trig. We can't hear you, Joe. Okay, we got you muted right now. Try to unmute one more time. Is that better? Yeah, gotcha. I can hear you. Okay. Um, when, when you got into coaching, was there anybody who coached you coming up through in the NFL that you kind of used and patterned some things off of and, and, and helped shaped you? Uh, well, uh, 
I think year seven of my playing career, um, I was really convinced that I wanted to get into coaching. I've been fortunate enough to uh, transition right after playing, and I've been coaching, you know, ever since. Uh, but to answer your question, I think <clears throat> for me, having the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, and unfortunately we lost, but understanding uh, the few years that I had with Sean Payton as an offensive coordinator and understanding uh, the chess match, you know, within the game of football and the detail that was involved there uh, to help us make that run and, and have a few of those special teams uh, for the Giants uh, quite a few years ago. And um, running into a situation where I was coached by Mel Jackson and uh, coached by Richard Mann, um, you know, and being around, you know, John and Jay Gruden, and I think the method for their madness uh, really helped me uh, mold, you know, my my mental per se uh, to prepare for for coaching, and uh, it's just been great for me to be able to share, uh, you know, successes and failures and in helmet, you know, perspective and and uh, you know all of the stories that go along with the great game that I love and respect. So uh, that's that's kind of how it happened for me. Thank you, Brian Dacko, Post Gazette. Hey, Ike. Uh, welcome to Pittsburgh. Hope it's treating you well so far. Treating me very well. Thank you. Good. Um, I wanted to ask you about James Washington from what you've watched from him last year. Where are the biggest areas that he needs to improve to continue to build on uh, the progress he made in year two? And now also uh, with the news that came out, the announcement, uh, was it yesterday, I think, about him being placed on the reserve list? How much time does he lose and, and how much is, is that going to be a challenge for him in the early process here? Well, I'm just be uh, you know forthright with you. I think when it comes to injuries and the COVID situation, uh, I'm just going to defer to the head coach on all of that. You know, regarding time or treatment or any of that stuff, uh, that is way above my pay grade. Uh, so I'm going to leave that where it is. No disrespect to you or anyone else. Uh, but in terms of uh, his development, I think uh, everyone can see that James is a freakish athlete, um, and we love and respect that. Uh, there's areas of growth. Again, timing and spacing, I can get into specifics about using his hands at the line of scrimmage versus press a lot more, uh, using his strength that way. Um, we have to find a way to get more lateral movement out of him uh, in terms of quick twitch uh, and helping him get away with some of those things because of the linear athlete he is. Um, and again, I'm not trying to ride, you know, read his rap sheet to give up, you know, all the things that we're going to work on, but things of that nature. Being stronger at the point uh, when it comes to blocking, I think everyone in this, uh, in our room, uh, needs to do a better job to help. Uh, you know, Connor and the rest of everyone in the back room uh, get more yardage. Uh, we got to get more there. Uh, but, you know, as all young players, you know, they're, they're going to see themselves uh, for however many years, you know, they, they've been here, you know, with James, just a few. We're going to look at the plays. We're going to detail them, you know, uh, once he gets back. We're going to accelerate that process how we see fit. And uh, we expect James to be a better player this year than he was last year. Thanks, Ike. Yep. Dale Lawley, DK. Hey, Ike, uh, obviously, you, you, I'm sure you had uh, some input in the drafting of Chase Claypool, and, and this was a, a, uh, a very good rookie draft class for wide receivers. What did you see in him that, that made him a guy that, that, that you guys wanted to target uh, in that second round? He can't teach 6'4", 238, 4'4", electric time. And that's just, you know, something that uh, it doesn't fall off of a tree. 
and uh, you get a chance to uh, harness, you know, that that kind of talent and kind of shape it and mold it into something that can be really, really special. I think as an organization, we all jump at the bit. Uh, and he can do so much for the football team uh, and affect the football team uh, in a positive uh, manner outside of playing receiver. Um, and we, we love that. Uh, we're going to love his physicality, uh, his playmaking ability, and his speed. Thank you. Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. Hey, Ike. Welcome Thank to you. town. Appreciate you. you doing this. Um, just overall, what have you been able to do with this group to this point, and what are your thoughts on the talent in the room as, as a whole? Well, I've been doing a lot of talking. I think they're tired of me talking and they're ready to get on the grass now. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, to doing that so we can start working together and, and kind of building a, a plan of attack, you know, per se. Uh, but it's really just detail and offense. And, and you know, uh, I guess I'll share somewhat of the story and embarrass myself. I don't know if this is embarrassing myself, but uh, when I first got into coaching and I first had my uh, opportunity to have my first room after being an assistant wide receiver coach uh, with the Dolphins and, and fortunate enough to work for Mike Shanahan, he told me that as a coach, uh, it's going to take you about three years to learn all of the details about my offense. So imagine that as a coach or being told that as a young coach, and now you turn that over to a young player. Uh, and we have quite a few of those uh, in, in the room, and that's okay. We're just going to accelerate the crowd, the, the process. We're going to hammer out the details, and that's basically what we did uh, this offseason. We're going to continue to do on a daily basis. We are going to challenge you know, these young men to be great, and we're going to challenge them to detail everything in their work, uh, in their prep, uh, in their individual uh, portions of practice, during team, doing everything, during note-taking. We want them to dominate. And, uh you know, we just have to continue to grow and get better, and that's what we intend to do. Uh, back it off of what we did this offseason in detail. Thank you, mm -hmm. Richie Walsh, KDK. Hey, Ike. Um, just to follow up on the Chase Claypool question, compared to a normal year, do you do you expect him to catch up? Is he where he is on schedule right now? Are you worried about that at all? I'm, I'm not worried about anything. And uh, last year opened my eyes uh, more than anything else. Uh, when you put the time in and you put the work in and you are put in position to make plays and you make plays, it doesn't matter when you were drafted. It doesn't matter how long it took you to get on spot in terms of the organization or on campus, however you want to coin that term. Uh, Chase uh, does what we expect him to do, and that's make plays early and often. Chase is going to play a lot. He's going to be really good. And uh, that's what we expect about, uh, or from, I should say, a lot of those guys. I learned that from Terry McLaurin, or about Terry McLaurin and young players uh, wholeheartedly last year because uh, the world expected him to be a special teams player. And he ended up being our number one last year uh, for the Washington football team. And, uh, you know, we expect the same or more, uh, if not more, uh, from Chase or any other young man that wants to step up and make plays. Jenna Harner, PXI. Hey, Ike, thank you so much for taking some time. I know it's kind of crazy and all this right now, but what's impressed you the most about the rookies here in this different training camp that this year brings? Well, I think uh, the, the way the guys have gone about their business in terms of following instruction and uh, taking care of themselves, uh, staying out of harm's way, uh, communicating 
uh, I guess, communicating back uh, the everyday teaching uh, in a detail has been really, really impressive, I think, as a whole with this group. Um, and I don't want to compare it to, to any other groups. I think it's just unique here. Um, and it's a lot different in a positive way, much positive way than I've been around uh, in my years uh, of coaching coming here. So I've, I'm obviously, uh, you know, my opinion is worth anything. I'm obviously thrilled with, you know, what I've seen from the young guys, you know, specifically in, in my room and as a whole. I think, I think everybody's done an unbelievable job of, of uh, you know, doing the right thing, uh, putting in the time, getting the details taken care of and communicating that. And, and we're just hoping that, you know, we can get on the grass soon and compete and see where we are and then put a good product on the field. That was new Steelers wide receivers coach Ike Hilliard. That was the first time that we had had an opportunity to talk to him. Um, Intriguing guy. I believe. Yeah, like you and I don't know if we talked to him. I can't remember if we talked to him at the draft or not. I don't believe that we did because he was still so new. Uh, But certainly uh, excited about what he has in Mm -hmm. that room. Yeah, and I always hesitate to comment about assistant coaches because I've been in organizations and so much happens behind the scenes that even if you're close to the team, you don't know. But that does look like a very good hire to me. You know, we were talking about that earlier in the show with Mike. You know, yeah, he, he, been there, done that, guys. Yeah, that, uh, should relate can, to a young room. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I think you would think that a lot of those guys maybe saw him play at some point in sure. their lives. You know, or were from Florida and remembering him in his heyday. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think he, he left Florida as the all-time leading receiver for the Gators. I mean, that's right when they were significant. The ball, like, yeah, crazy. He's right. played in the Super Bowl. Has done a lot of the stuff that these guys want to do. So, should be interesting to see how he relates to that room. Uh, but, uh, Matt, that's going to do it for this training camp that's report. Yeah. Uh, we certainly appreciate you all listening. Uh, so for my partner here, uh, Matt Williamson, for uh, Mike Pursuta, we want to thank him for stopping by as well. For Jacob here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lolly. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on Steelers Nation Radio.